0: very traumatic. Um, I know I sound very positive about this. I mean, obviously, it's a traumatic thing, but this is also a part of my life, and it's it's the reason I am who I am today.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Share Your Story, a mental health podcast where we highlight individual mental health stories in an attempt to break the stigma surrounding mental health issues. Hopefully, you find something in this episode that you can connect with. My name is Haley Haskins, and with me, as always, my co host,
2: Brandon. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's okay. I'll introduce myself. It's fine.
1: <laughs> yes, we're back at it. And joining us in this episode is Sarah Hammerly.
0: Hey, guys. Um, I'm Sarah Hammerly. Um, I also go by Sarah Ham. I'm a junior at DePauw with everybody here, and um, I'm a psych major. And a creative writing minor, and I'm from Lebanon, which is the same town Haley's from. So, yes.
1: went to the same high school. Yeah,
0: we go far back.
1: Yes, we do. Fun times. Oh.
0: Little little yeah. Lebanon, Kentucky. Little uh,
1: Lebanon.
2: <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know about that going in. That's a nice yes. little tidbit. Yeah,
1: yeah. We went to the same high school. Um, Sarah graduated the same year as my sister, so just like mm-hmm. a year behind me. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Yes. Shout out to McKenna. We can go ahead and just dive right into it. So Mm -hmm. I also know Sarah from a program that we're both in together at DePauw called the Mental Health Peer Educator Program through DePauw Counseling Services. Um, So we're both really, really passionate about mental health awareness, um, something that really hits close to home for both of us. So I guess just one question starting off with this episode is, Sarah, I know you're super passionate about mental health. What kind of like started that all for you?
0: So one of the first things that I, I guess, that got me into mental health was like a tragic event in my life. Um, And so in eighth grade, my sister actually passed away. She was actually a freshman at DePauw. So that was one reason I came to the school. Um, And she passed away through a rare form of meningitis um, at just 18. Very tragic, very sudden. Um, And so obviously, I spiraled into depression. I learned I had anxiety. And so I went to counseling and therapy. And that really opened my eyes about how everyone is dealing with these things. It's not just me, I'm not alone. And so, through that experience, I actually ended up speaking at different mental health um, events and programs. Um, I headed, so I went to Brooks Place, which is the Uh, grief counseling for teens and young adults. Um, And I went there and they actually had me speak at their fundraiser breakfast, which was a huge honor. I spoke alongside of a Columbine survivor. So that was a really cool experience. And um, that really opened my eyes to how we need to break the stigma against, you know, mental health and how it's important. So yeah.
2: I want to continue talking about uh, your sister, if that's okay. I would love to. So my first question is, let's like, let's go through the timeline here. So okay. when did this happen in your, your life?
0: So in my life, it happened February of my eighth grade year. So I was, there was my second semester, eighth grade. So I was only 14. It happened in 2015. So I was only 14 when she died and she was only 18 we were all so my i have an older brother also and we're all four years apart so he's the oldest um so he was a senior in college when she passed he was at wabash and yeah so that's where that timeline was
2: so when did you find out not that she had passed but that she was going through this was this something that was long running or was this sudden
0: so in around christmas time she started getting migraines and we were like okay whatever this is a usual thing she gets nosebleeds all the time so that was a common thing which we now joke about like when i get a nosebleed or anybody in our family does that's a sign of megan um, which was her name um so that's cute but anyway so in late december she started feeling heavy migraines and so we ended up taking her to the hospital one night And um, then they sent her home with some medicine. She was fine. Um, And then within the next week, she just started to deteriorate. She uh, laid in the living room and it like, she couldn't even be in her own room and because the space was too small, but then the living room, you know, there's lights everywhere, there's sounds everywhere. Um, So she ended up going back to the hospital and they kept her for a few days And I just thought it was a regular checkup. I mean, we all did um, because this form of meningitis is uh, like that literal statistic is one in a million. So only like four people in the United States has had her condition that she ended up having. Um, And then so January, she was in the hospital the whole time. And that was really hard on my parents because, I mean, no mother wants to see their child in the hospital and no mother and father are expecting their child to die within the next month. Um, so I was bouncing around between grandparents' houses, uh, vibing as an eighth grader, um, not thinking things, are you know, could actually happen. Because that's the one thing I see on the news all the time. People in the news always say, oh, this could never happen to me. And that's what I caught myself saying. Oh, you know, she's going to be fine. Our family, are, my family's good people. You know, we're Christians. We're, I pray to God every night, whatever. We're great. Um, so nothing can touch us. And then February 13th, that she was doing great that week. And that was a Friday. Um, and they did a brain scan and they did not find any brain activity. So she was put in a medically induced coma. And um, it was our decision on quite literally to pull the plug per se. And my sister was a person that was very, if she couldn't do something, she would prove to you that she could. Um, and things like that. And the decision was obviously, I mean, it, there's no right or wrong answer. And that's how my family took it. Um, and so when I came back from the hospital, I came back from school at the end of the day um, and went up to the hospital. Um, everybody knew the news except me and my brother. And so when we got there, it was like, well, everybody's crying. It was very traumatic. Um, I know I sound very positive about this. I mean, obviously it's a traumatic thing, but this is also a part of my life and it's the, it's the reason I am who I am today. So that's why I feel very comfortable sharing, um, just for the listeners. But, uh, yeah, so my family, my brother, my parents, and I all sat down in a room by ourselves and kind of talked it through about what it would look like. Um, you know, if we kept her, if we didn't, um, you know, would she be able to walk? Would she be able to talk? There's no there's no brain activity. So obviously her life would not look the way that we had hoped and she had hoped it, it would go. Um, and there was really no way for us to figure out what she had until a autopsy. So we ended up pulling the plug that night. And then, um, yeah. So it was within a month and a half that everything deteriorated. Pretty fast, so it's,
2: it's a really short turnarounds. Yeah, so it was as, tough. As an eighth grader, how? I mean, because I teach eighth graders right now, oh, like wow. I can't even imagine some of them going through something like that. So, how did how did you process this as a, yeah. an eighth grader? Because I mean, like your brain is still developing, like. Very rapidly, <laughs> and it still got a long ways to go. Yeah. So a traumatic event like that can can do a number. So how did you cope with such a traumatic event happening so quickly and the aftermath of that?
0: Yeah. So she passed away on a Friday. I ended up going back to school on that Monday.
2: Jesus.
0: My um, gosh. And it sounds nuts. And I I say it now, and I. Think I was also nuts. Like I had to have been, and I was, and that's just a part of grief. Um, I see it in people all the time. Um, like they'll just like it happens all the time. And I remember being in gym, and people were like, "Why did you leave school early Friday?" And I remember being like, "My sister died," and there was no face to me. It it was it was like a regular fact. Like my shirt is yellow, um, and I really have to commend my. I about to call them professors. My teachers um, at the middle school because I was gone for a few weeks, and during that time, I did nothing. I like skipped on on out on assignments, but you know, I what else? What else is a kid supposed to do? I spent most of the time in the counseling office or in the band room because the band room was my safe space. And yeah, it was it was a lot of the professors helping, the teachers helping me, but also my mom. You know, when you said it's a traumatic time and your brain's developing, so the statistics against you are not good. I mean, people that go through traumatic things at that young age or around that age get up into drugs. They, you know, there's a lot of bad things that can happen to kids like that. And my mom's greatest fear was that I would become one of those statistics. So she, like that next week, she found, she did a Google search for Grief counseling, found Brooks Place, and the next month we were signed up. Um, So I really commend her because without Brooks Place, not only for myself, but for my family, we would not be as strong um, and as knowledgeable about grief and mental health as we are now. Um, So those were kind of the steps we took, but um, also friends. So um, Haley probably remembers, we all go on like a St. Louis trip the second semester of eighth grade year at Lebanon Middle School. And um, one of my best friends, I call him Logie Bear, but his name's Logan Wallace. Um, But Logie Bear, he actually asked teachers and friends to help pay for my ticket for the St. Louis trip, um, which was just like a few months after. And that was one of the greatest things that someone has ever given me because it was at a time when my family was so focused on paying for other things like funerals like gravesite you know like all the things that nobody wants to pay for um and they the community not only in at the school but extended upon that was just really considerate and beautiful they're all just beautiful people i love them all but yeah
2: i mean you talk about all this very positively now I yeah mean, i no one can this is a, an audio podcast even though i can see you so no one can see your face but yeah. you're, you've been smiling a lot through all of this. Yeah. How long did it take you to, you know, kind of transition?
0: Yes, definitely. So grief is an ongoing process. And and it's one that you – it's a ship that you never get off of. Um, I call it a club. So um, finding people that were in my club were really important to me. Um, I was around so many adults before Brooks Place that, you know, I understand what you're going through My brother died 30 years ago, and I'm still grieving. And that was just not that that's a horrible thing, but it was hard for me to hear as an eighth grader that I'm still going to be grieving when I'm 50 years old. Um, You know, I'm still going to be going through these emotions. And that was scary. So, really, my turnaround was having a community of people that understand and respect my boundaries and my limits. And Backing me up all the way, and that was Brooke's place, really. And I'm still in contact with all those people um, that I'm in. I love them all so much. Um, they're like my grief family. Um, but the turnaround for me was becoming, was taking ownership of my mental health and taking ownership of the knowledge that I can put in my brain to help myself. And that was through self care, um, taking it day by day. Getting a diagnosis of depression, getting a diagnosis of anxiety, going through personal, um, individual therapy, um, which is scary things. It's, it's these are all these things are scary when you're in eighth grade, um, but doing things like that um, in high school helped me grow and become more positive about it. And offering you know that knowledge for more people, I became. Um, we had my freshman year of high school. So literally just that, like later that year, um, in August, we had upwards of like 18 people in Lebanon high school that suffered through a very traumatic loss. And so the school called me in and asked if I would be willing to basically head a, um, group therapy for all the Lebanon people going through stuff like that. And so that's what I helped them through. um, which was a really great thing. Cause then that also provided that same community from Brooks place at the school. So people could come up to me and say, you know, people aren't talking about my cousin. People aren't talking about my dad. How do I get them to do that? And it was just saying, telling people you're comfortable with that was the first step. But yeah, maybe that's a little off topic, but Hey, all good that's things. Yeah. But yeah. I, it takes a lot of time. Like it's almost seven years Um, and I'm proud that I can smile about it, but it's not always, um, there are days where it's harder than, you know, most, um, reaching the milestone when she graduated college would have graduated college was hard. Um, personally for me, she's always been an older sister. So when I, I'm a junior in college now, and it is so bizarre for me to think that she didn't even make it this far. Um, it was hard for me my first semester freshman year of college not only because i was at the same school she was i was in the same band she was i i i knew all the professors she had it wasn't just that it was the fact my life would end in february and i couldn't even fathom that idea there's so much left to do so i think that was very hard um but getting through those hard times helped me you know smile now and be a leader in the grief community
1: so then a question i have based off that um as you mentioned you know grief is not something that you just go through and then it's over you know like it's something that unfortunately does like those horrible feelings of sadness those waves of grief come up and you know that's that's inevitable but how do you cope with that to this day you know like you 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 just mentioned how you sometimes think about you know if she, you know if she were alive, like how she would see you and like, where she would be and like where you are now in comparison to like where she would be. and so yeah, like my question is, how do you continue to cope with that grief?
0: Yeah definitely, on the hard days, I do a lot of grounding exercises personally. Um, I remind myself that I'm still here. Um, And while she's not, I can, you know, she can live by curiously through me. Um, It's also like I was talking to my dad two days ago and he told me this bizarre story um, about how he found one of Megan's favorite DS games in his car. And there's no way it would have been there. That's the thing. Like he got this car like three years ago. There's no way that it was. I just I can't even explain to you in words like how that's even possible. So it's things like that where we we convene as a family and we're like, you know, she's around, she's doing things like I always we always joke when something goes missing, I tell you, Megan's on it because she is hiding stuff and it'll show up in the most bizarre and randomest of ways. But um, yeah, so I think looking for those small moments of her whether you know whether you believe in all that stuff, I mean, I don't. I, I agree. I disagree on both sides, but I think it's fun just to, just to have some little shenanigans to believe in is always a great way. But I would also say finding ways that you can honor and grief at least your loved ones for her birthday. It's on uh six sixteen, um, and we always celebrate it. We call it Megan Hammerly Day, and we do random acts of kindness on that day. It is my favorite holiday, in my opinion. I go nuts for this thing. I do happiness sprinkling. i do I pay for the person behind me at Starbucks six times in a row. I go to Dairy Queen and I leave ten dollars for the people working there i and this is not just me. this is like everybody in our community of Megan people um and around the world too. We've reached as as far as Australia and Greece. um I did it in Spain when I visited um in france we've done it in france and london we everyone does it everywhere um and that's how i honor her is through random acts of kindness for others um to help you know spread that there is love in the world even in sad moments like that
2: how do you uh, yeah i mean i guess you kind of answered that question already i was gonna ask you how you carry on uh her legacy
0: yeah i I mean i So we do that. Um, we do her birthday. Um, my family does a personal dinner on her angel day. Um, that's an interesting term that I'd like to share. Angel day. Um, instead of saying death day, because let's all be honest, that is depressing. Who wants to say death day or passed away on? So we call it her angel day. Um, it's a positive day. We try to make it. Obviously, it's sad. Um, but we go to dinner. One of our good friends, Dave, um, he loves poetry and he always finds a new poem that he thinks embodies Megan. And so we read that and then we toast to her and we go around the table and share our favorite memories of her. Um, That's just one way. I mean, every family does it differently. Um, If your way is a cookout, hey, by all means, if your way is sitting at home and watching sad movies, by all means. it looks different for everybody, but that's just how it works for our family, at least. Um, and we also do the Megan Hammerly 5K every year because um, she was a cross-country and track runner. So it's a annual 5K that we've done for the past. It's like this is this is going to be year eight. Um, so this is going to be like the eighth annual Megan Hammerly 5K. Um, we do it with our community in Lebanon. Um, we just recently passed it on to Boone County Mentoring Partnership, which is where I intern. Um, And that's a great program. So it's going to benefit, it used to benefit her scholarship, which is another way we honor her at Lebanon High School. So there's lots of ways you can honor people. Um, My family, personally, we just like to do it all. Um, But yeah, so those are just a couple of things.
1: So this is kind of like very quick topic change, I guess. Pretty drastic. I love it. (laughs) it. (laughs) Um, So you mentioned a couple minutes ago, happiness sprinkling. Yes. You know, that's your thing. You've done it a few times in the Greencastle community. You know, it's, it's something that's really special and really beautiful. And I think definitely needs to be spread around more, like more attention needs Mm -hmm. to be given to that. I think it would be an insanely awesome thing if You know, more people did it. So do you mind like talking about happiness sprinkling, explaining what it is, what you do, all that good
0: stuff? Yeah, of course. So happiness sprinkling stems from a woman named Laura Levine. Um, I believe she's located in Washington, D.C. And during her time there, she noticed a lot of negative protests, a lot of people shouting, um, you know, one side of the spectrum to the other side of the spectrum, and a lot of hate being shed. And so she wanted to do something that was the opposite. She wanted to spread love. So she came up with this thing called happiness sprinkling, which is just a happy protest. Um, And it, so what I mean by a happy protest is instead of holding signs that show an opinion or anything like that, you hold a sign that says, you look good today. You hold up a sign that says, what's cooking good looking? Or uh, let's rock or free hugs or... Um, you shine or you got this um one day at a time, very uplifting, positive, whatever your style is, um, signs. And I did that last year, earlier, was it earlier this year? I did it last year, uh, academically at DePaul. And um it was it's amazing. I've done it with my church a lot um on mission trips, and it was the best time. Because you get to hold these positive signs. People think that you're protesting something. Then they read your sign that says that they're looking good. And they're like, oh, oh, okay. I can get behind this. Um, of course, you always have the poopy people that don't understand. They don't get it. They don't understand that people can just do positive things just to be positive. Um, but, you know, what I say to those people is come hold the sign for five minutes and you'll get it. Um, It was a beautiful thing last time I did it at DePaul. We actually had two people join us, Haley remembers, and they were like, wow, this is really cool. Do you have extra signs? And they joined. And I call it, you only do it for an hour. It's called Five Minutes of Awkward, awkward, 55 Minutes of Fun. I like to count how many people honk their horns, especially semis. I go crazy for the honking. I do, Haley knows. But it's it's just such a positive thing with positive people. Um, I highly recommend everybody do it. You can make your own signs or you can go, you can Google happiness sprinkling and you can go to the website and actually get on the, like, the list where they'll ship you actual signs and you can sign them. It's great. I love it. If you don't, if you still don't get it, just Google it. It is so, it is a 10 out of 10. Everybody should do it at least once in their life. It is so fun.
1: I 100% agree. I've done it two times now with you in the Greencastle community. Mm-hmm. And you're 100% right. Like at first, it can be a little awkward or weird, especially when people like look at you like, what the heck are you yeah. doing? Why are you standing on the street corner holding a sign yelling at me, but it really is a beautiful thing, because you're just shouting positive things at people. And especially like in the times that we're in right now, you hear more negativity, more complaints. A lot of hate, but to just like stand out in your community and hold a positive sign, like a sign with a positive message on it and just be yelling like, you're beautiful. You look good today. Have a great day. I mean, I, I don't know how anybody could frown or whatever, or have a bad day after seeing that or participating in it. Definitely recommend participating in it.
0: It's so and- fun. When we did it for the happiness class, we actually, we looked, now that I think about it, we were just so goofy. There was like 12 of us crammed into our tiny little Starbucks at DePaul, just shouting at people that they're great and that I, you know, we hope they enjoy their coffee. Um, We had balloons. I mean, you can go, you can go all out for these things. There's no limit to happiness that you can spread. Like there's no, there's not a limit, but yeah, I love it. It was a good time and it happens all over the world like on happiness sprinkling probably dot org don't quote me on that, but I bet it is I bet it is a dot org because um, it is an organization you quite literally can sign up um, to join their mailing list. then a happiness sprinkler somewhere in the world will mail you the signs, you'll do your happiness sprinkling and then you'll pass on the signs to the next person that wants to do their sprinkling. So it's not just an American thing. It's not just a, it's not just a lady thing. It's an everybody, all inclusive, anywhere thing all the time.
1: Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, I know that that was a major event in your life that you went through and you definitely, you know, showed your strength and really pulled through and learned a lot. Um, So thank you for sharing that. And now that you brought up like mental health stigma, um, that's something that is a major topic, you know, in mental health awareness. And it really correlates with a lot of the work that we do as mental health peer educators at DePauw is breaking the stigma. Um, So I guess kind of just what are your general thoughts on the stigma? What did you kind of believe going into starting off with mental health awareness and what do you think like we can do to combat the stigma like any any of your thoughts on that
0: yeah so um one of the things with the stigma that i'm really trying to fight against is the idea that men can't talk about their emotions so um i'm a german we're a german family Um, my dad's german And we always made this joke in the family that, you know, German men don't talk about their feelings. You know, German men don't ask for help, which in my life that I've seen, they haven't in my family. And so through all the negative things, it's taught not only my father, but my brother that it's okay to talk about your emotions. And that's just been something that my family has worked on and has passed to other families that we've touched because that's just such an important thing um that it's not just a women issue it's an everyone issue um and the stigma around it is that it's only select individuals which is just not the case um so that's one of the things of the stigma i mean there's so much about it um i know i personally struggle with taking meds and it's just it's such a hard thing to do and maybe that's not a stigma but it's it's a hard thing to go through when you need need to take them and they're helping your brain and you feel like, oh, I'm doing fine. Like that's kind of the stigma. Oh, I'm doing fine. I'm doing great. I don't need to take my meds anymore. And, but that thing is, is you feel great because you're taking your meds. So it's a cycle, um, that a lot of people I've noticed and myself personally get into. Um, so breaking that cycle and that stigma that you're okay and that you don't need help, um, is a big deal. What was one of your other questions you asked, Haley?
1: Um, I think you really touched on everything that I was thinking about. Just some of the thoughts that you had going into mental health awareness, because you know we all carry that stigma with us, and it's yeah. kind of just about deconditioning ourselves out of that. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, you definitely really touched on especially like with men's mental health. That's a huge thing right now is that toxic masculinity in our culture that men shouldn't be able to talk about their mental health or can't show their emotions. And then the medication thing is also a massive issue. I would agree. Definitely. That's one that I also struggle with. um,
0: And I know a lot of people struggle with in general.
1: So yeah, yeah, for sure. Those are
0: big, really big. Um, I also wanted to reiterate about the men's stigma. So In one of my Brooks place, um, I was in group therapy, mainly there. And I had the ratio to men and women was there was a lot of guys and there was three girls. And it was because the men didn't feel like they had any other safe space to talk about it. Um, And one of my good friends, his name's Darian, um, he dealt with a lot of anger and aggression towards his death of his mother. And it was because he didn't have none of his friends felt, you know, comfortable handling that and didn't refuse to talk about his mom, you know, the fear that you don't want to bring stuff that up, especially with grief like that um, was a big deal to him. And so providing that safe space for him was a great thing. And I'm happy we did it. But everyone should have a safe space, not just in a, you know, designated group, but also in their home with their friend groups. And that's just being able to talk about everyone's mental health and you know, checking in on your strong friends is a is a big thing. Like your strong friends have bad days too,
2: kind of deal. You say that you struggle taking medications. Yeah. Um is this is this due to looking at taking medications as um as a negative, like, oh, I don't want to be seen as someone who has to take pills to feel better mm-hmm. or is this due to something else?
0: So mainly it comes from I won't say who, but someone told me it's a fake happy pill. So I take Zoloft, which is an anxiety and depression um, pill, and I'm taking 20 milligrams, which is the highest you can take off of that. But in the spectrum of, you know, anxiety and depression medication, it's very low. Um, I know a friend that's taking 100. So to me, when I hear about that, I think, oh, my issues aren't as a big of a deal. It's fine if I skip a day. I'm not taking a hundred. It's not going to affect me as bad, which in actuality, it does affect me just as much as someone else taking that much. Yeah. It's so it's that it's also someone telling me it was a a happy pill, which makes me really upset because if it's helping me feel better, that's all that matters. But if it's helping me feel better and I think that it's a fake sort of happiness, that just brings that negative cycle back down. And it's 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 a cycle. It's a cycle. And you just keep running in that little circle and you're just like, what am I doing? But, um, I've come up with a new motto. Am I allowed to cuss on the podcast?
1: Go for it.
0: (laughs) My motto is bad bitches take their meds. And I say it every night when I take my meds. Um, and it honestly, I say it. And then when I don't do it, I'm like, no bad bitches take their meds. And I do it because it is a fact. I also have made it really fun to take my meds. I got this little um, medicine dispenser that looks like a lemon. And so like each slice is a day. It's so fun. Um, It's just so goofy. Like I showed it to my grandma because she has one of those line ones. I was like, grandma, you need to get the lemon. Um, But, you know, she didn't go for it. But making taking your meds not only a priority, but something that you put into your life and you're proud of it and you're okay talking about it if that's what you feel comfortable doing, is a positive. And we should all look at it and celebrate each other when we do those accomplishments. Because even if it's small, like taking your tiny little white, you know, dose, it's still a big deal because it's helping you and helping your body.
1: Yeah, definitely. 100%. Um, Yeah, that was really beautiful. And you put it really, really well. Um, You kind of touched on this already, but I'm curious if you have any – other words of wisdom that you would like to share with everybody? Because you you mentioned that um, someone in your life told you that taking an antidepressant or an anti-anxiety medication was like taking a fake happy pill or yeah. whatever, you know? Um, so whenever you get like a negative reaction from people in your life regarding your mental health or how open you are about it, how do you generally react to that?
0: Or what do you like generally say? So if I- – So when I was told that, it was years ago, and I definitely didn't know how to respond. But now that I'm educated not only on mental health, but my own body and my own – I'm more comfortable with myself and I know what I believe, how I would react now is I would ask them why they think that because that is pushing the stigma because a happy pill is the stigma, a part of it, and you know pushing against it is all you can do. But again, there's people in our lives. Um, I did a whole uh, training on mental health this this summer, and I talked to a therapist, and he said, you know, you can't, you can only push so far for the people that don't understand, and you're not trying to push to help the people that don't understand. You're pushing for the people that are curious, the people that want to learn. Um, So, you know, if you're arguing to a brick wall and it's not going anywhere, then maybe they're just not your person. Maybe they're just not, you know, allowed to be um as glennon doyle would say it on your island. Um if you only want positive people in your life, only allow those people on your island. Nobody else has to go, you know. Um and she put that beautifully. I loved her book Untamed. 10 out of 10, highly recommend. But um yeah, so I would definitely say um when you're talking to people that are not understanding of your own struggles. They only know as far as their personal life has taken them. And they'll understand one day and it's just maybe not today. Um, And also taking time for yourself and reiterating to yourself in your own space that you're worth whatever you need to do for your own mental health. And if that's stepping away from that person, if that's fighting and fighting for yourself and proving that, you know, you're worth it, then that's what it is. Um, but taking those steps where you need it is definitely the biggest advice that I could give.
1: So I would say you have to be the most positive, like beautiful energy, like type of person I've ever met in my life. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't think that I've ever seen you without a smile or like really positive, warm energy, warm, you know, atmosphere. Well, thank and you. So, of course. My question for that is like, whenever you have a bad day or, you know, especially bad mental health day, because, you know, yeah. those are what really get me, like, when I just don't feel like myself. Yeah. How do you, like, navigate that? How do you manage to still smile and feel positive and, like, welcome and be very friendly with people?
0: hmm So... Interesting question. I guess when I say when I have a bad day and I still have to go do things, when I don't have the option to lay in my bed and, you know, do the mental health day that everyone wants to do, I, I don't know. It's very hard. It is very difficult, especially when you don't want to put on a face because in the mental health community, putting on a face is like rule number one. Like if you're not feeling it today, like, you know, you said you were feeling scatterbrained. Totally acceptable. Everybody is allowed to feel scatterbrained every day if you want to be. but like understanding, I guess finding oh man, now I'm scatterbrained. <laughs> I guess contagious. it's contagious. Um, it's hard. It is really hard. Um, but I would I always have to like check in with myself throughout the day. Um, when I have to go do things, I put in my headphones, I told I was talking to Haley earlier. I listen to a podcast. It's called, I'm going to plug it on this podcast. It's called My Favorite Murder. If you're into true crime, um, it's just these two beautiful women that just want to talk about the importance of the survivors in the story, all that stuff, yada, yada, yada. But they're my safe people. Um, when I'm going through a really anxious period or I'm, I just need something to comfort me, just listening to them, like not even... Hearing what they're saying, but just hearing their voices calms me down. Um, I did that in IKEA one day. I got really anxious in IKEA. I went by myself. I was trying to be an adult and I realized I got to the end of IKEA and I hadn't listened to one word they said because I was so anxious, but they made me feel better. Um, so, finding ways that you can continue your daily, your day, I guess, um, with having some sort of comfort. Um, io gave me this little fidget thing that's like little spiky and it goes on your finger and you can roll it back and forth it's like for adhd um i love that thing i keep it in my pocket all the time uh, i use i and it's like it's discreet like nobody knows it's in my pocket unless you're me or unless i show you but um that's a great way like i know fidget toys seem so so childish um but hey if it works, it works. Don't knock it till you try it. Um, so finding little things that can comfort you is definitely the biggest thing. And then once, uh, once you get to the end of the day when you can get into bed, this is what I do every night. I recommend this to everyone. You, it sounds silly, but you start with your toes and you're like, hey, toes, how you doing? And then I'm like, okay, cool. And then I'm like, all right, good night, toes. And then I, like, I make my toes go to sleep. And then I do that with my ankles, and then I do that with my knees, and then my legs, and then I go all the way up to my hands and my head. And and then at that point, you're just like laying on your bed, eyes closed, and you're just like flat as a rock. And it sounds dumb, it sounds silly, but talking to your body like it were a child is a beautiful thing, and it's something you have to teach yourself. It's something that should be normalized, but something that we have to work through because our body is still growing no matter where you're at. It's still developing. It's still going through, you know, what do we, we shed skin like what every couple years or months or whatever. So it's like your body's doing a lot for you to just even be here. Thank it. Say, say, thank you Toast. Like you got me all the way to my bed. Hey, that's a great accomplishment. And then saying good night, like it's silly i love it though everybody try it and then get back to me and then you'll be like dang you're a smart lady
1: 100 so. percent, i'm doing that tonight do it yes it is I, so I'm fun 100 i'm gonna i'm gonna try it tonight for sure
0: tell me about it i can't wait to hear
1: <laughs> yeah i'll report back to you tomorrow morning
0: okay no, cool. <laughs> yeah. not the meeting. i'll be there <laughs>
1: Um, Okay, so I think another question that I have um, kind of related to the last one, but what are some kind of basic like self care activities that you implement in your daily routine? I know you said you do like check ins with yourself daily, which is like, very, very good. Highly recommend doing that to everybody. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else that you do um, throughout the day, or I guess, like even on a weekly basis to just make sure that your mental health is checked up on?
0: Yeah. Again, with the meds, I have a little meds checklist for the day. So I check it if I do it. One thing I always do is I find a time to watch a show or listen to the podcast. I make it like I make a block of time to do that to just decompress. For some people, that's at the n- end of the day before they go to bed. That's when I do it. Some people, that's when the morning um, while they're getting ready, they listen to their favorite music as they're getting ready, setting aside time for yourself is key and whatever that looks like so um i like to write so i have a journal either by hand or typing that i write in depends how i feel or if i have a lot to say i type it faster um coloring works really well for a lot of people i personally can't stand coloring because i want i want it to look a certain way and it's not going to look that way um naps i am an advocate for the nap community I would love to be president of that community because I can take a nap any, anywhere, anytime, any day. Fact. I, it is proven to be a fact for me. Um, and I do it all the time. When I feel overloaded, I just absolutely, I do the check-in, I say goodnight toes and I go to sleep. Um, and then I wake up later and I go to class, but, um, napping is it don't, it's, it's great. Um, yeah. Those are the things that work for me, honestly. Um, but I know a lot of people do grounding exercises when they need to do some self-care. Um, they they have a, you know, a self-care snack. For me, it's popcorn and chips and guac. I've been eating so much chips and guac. I need to stop. Um, go, go, squeeze. Now I'm just talking about my favorite snacks. <laughs> um, but yeah, taking time for yourself. It's a hard task, but, and it's a lot of trial and error too. Don't get me wrong. It's a lot of trial and error, um, but you can't have success without trial. So it's okay to have the error and what works for you might not work for other people and what works for other people might not work for you and that's okay. So
1: Definitely. Definitely. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you for sharing everything that you shared with us. That was a really, really great conversation. Is there anything else that you would like to throw in there to promote? Anything else you want to say?
0: I don't think so. All right,
1: well, thank everybody for listening and um, for listening to Sarah's story. Please remember to like, follow, subscribe, and or leave a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. It truly helps us a lot.
2: Thanks. And also follow us on Twitter at Share Pod. That's yours, but with you UR. And you can shoot us an email if you want to be on the show or ask a question at at, shareyourstorypod, that's yours felt normally, at gmail.com.
1: Next episode, we'll bring a new guest, a new experience, and a new story to tell. Stay safe, stay hydrated, and thank you all very much for being here.